You know who wouldn't run away from a goose? Katie Karika. Perfect transition. <laughs> I love it. Because she really is just unbelievable. This is now a quote from somebody else. <laughs> she was always incredibly inquisitive. She read voraciously and she would always know the latest technology or the latest papers, even if it was in a different, a totally different area. And she would put two and two together and say, well, why don't we do this? Or uh, why don't we try this formulation? Apoptosis is going mad, my liver's gonna fail. Maybe it's from the radium I use to paint my nails. Well, say you hate me, carbon date me, throw me in the sea. I'll be back with time because I'm made of stardust and chemistry. A stardust and chemistry. This is Cowboy Chemistry. Welcome back. I forgot momentarily the name of my own <laughs> podcast uh this is dylan tharpy rally a phd student at texas tech in chemistry and uh we don't have a guest today so it's just me and selena martinez how are you doing i'm here i'm uh sleepy but i'm good good i'm excited to to learn things learn things i have not learned one single thing since we stopped doing this podcast i have turned my brain off and i've just been playing sims and watching jersey shore so Hmm. No, not really. Jersey Shore not, still plays? Uh, no, I watch reruns. Okay. But there is there are new episodes. I just don't have. I can't. I can't watch them. I don't have a. I to delete a lot of streaming services. Super poor. You know that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, I turned off my Wi-Fi, so I really feel you. Oh. I've not even had any Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's painful. Yeah. That's the one thing I'm like. I'm keeping the Wi-Fi and I'm keeping Spotify because if I have to listen, if I can't listen to the exact podcast I want to listen to when I want to listen to it, I'm going to murder someone. Yeah, yeah. I love Spotify. Ugh. I don't like how they pay artists, but I like the concept of it. Oh, do they not As pay a, artists well? I don't know no, anything about really. that. Oh, hmm. It's like 0.3 of a percent per play or something. It's So you really got to rack up the listens oh, yeah. to make any money. Yeah. I gotcha. Let's talk about capitalism. No, let's talk about... <laughs> What we're here to talk about today. Yeah, Catalin uh, Katie Carrico. Do you know why we're talking about her? She won a prize. Which prize? The Nobel Prize. Which one? Science. <laughs> Just the <laughs> one that they give out, you know, for general science. Mm-hmm. You know that one. The mm-hmm. general one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's one of my pet peeves is when they call the the uh, Nobel Prize in one area the Nobel Peace Prize. Like, uh-huh. they'll say everybody wins a Nobel Peace Prize. And, right. Like, that's just one of the prizes. And Ryan, uh, my husband, has now been calling it the Nobel Peace Prize every time just to just fuck Just to bother me. you. <laughs> just been like, stop. <laughs> but, yeah, so. I mean, are you even really married if you're not constantly irritating the person you love? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Definitely a part of it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so she won uh, the Nobel Prize in Medicine this year. Uh, oh, great. She shared it with um, her partner, who I forgot his name, but I wrote it down. Drew Weissman, mm-hmm. uh, who is a professor of immunology. So Katie is a uh, biochemist, so which is why I'm doing the episode on her instead of Weissman. But they both together worked on the technology that led into the COVID-19 vaccines. Oh, awesome. So, um... Did you see, real quick, since we're going to be talking a little bit about COVID, there's a... I saw this video, and they were talking about, like, oh, do you mean, like, how the person who invented mRNA says that it's dangerous to alter your mRNA? Like, what do you mean they invented mRNA? Are you talking about God? Are you talking about, like... (laughs) Our creator? What do you mean? They, but I guess they're talking about like the guy who started mRNA-based vaccines. Mm. The way she phrased it was he invented mRNA. <laughs> right, right. Like it's like a technology, like a... Yeah, it's like some little nanobot that they <laughs> yeah. put in all humans now as your messenger RNA. Yeah, and I mean like, yes, it's danger to al- dangerous to alter your mRNA, but you're not... That's not what they're doing. It's not a permanent change. Yeah, Is yeah. It? No, so, like, what, at least this technology is definitely not a permanent change. It would not, 
be changing your yeah yeah like no that (laughs) yeah it was just really i mean i think it's so difficult to talk about the way the vaccines work because people have such a bad understanding of the way science works right right and i mean mrna is a very complicated idea like right how it works in your body is is much more complicated Mm -hmm. than i think most people give it credit for right so uh like people are expecting it to have like this quick easy answer of like how it works right Mm -hmm. but like let's be honest like even regular vaccines they're much more complicated like how they actually work in your body is much more complicated right there's formaldehyde in that did you know there's formaldehyde in some vaccines and it's very your body is making formaldehyde like (laughs) i just i like to talk about the the common things that i hear from people when they uh clearly don't understand anything yeah yeah and um after researching her too she's part of this like conspiracy theories one of the conspiracy theories around the covid vaccine oh poor lady yeah i Uh, hope she has a ring doorbell or something like i hope she has some kind of security system uh maybe i don't those people are crazy i don't know i don't know how um i don't think she's been a, a, a target for anybody's violence or anything but i don't know uh she does live in hungary now so okay because she she is hungarian so um, hungarian i think she's hungarian and american Mm -hmm. Uh, i think she has like dual citizenship or something but yeah so anyway like i said her work is what led to the foundation of the BioNTech and moderna uh mrna vaccine and her one of her big contributions is that uh it does not produce an immune response. Like, so the mRNA itself, like, your body doesn't fight the mRNA itself. So, right. like, that was one of the big barriers to making this technology was that the M- your body would attack the mRNA mm-hmm. because it recognized that it didn't make right. the mRNA. But they made a change in it that, al- that allowed it to, like, interact with your body mm-hmm. uh, and do what it needed to do as mm-hmm. far as, like, like, in the terms of the COVID-19 vaccine, right, the mRNA is what's injected in with the vaccine, right? Right. It interacts with your cells. Your cells make what it, the message that it's carrying, right? mRNA stands for messenger RNA, mm-hmm. right? The message it's carrying is the what design. What does RNA stand for? Huh? What does RNA stand for? Uh, ribonucleic acid. Okay. So, uh, you know, there's DNA, mm-hmm. uh, which is deoxyribonucleic acid, and then mm-hmm. there's mRNA. And then there's RNA, ribonucleic acid. Okay. So um, DNA is two-stranded, RNA is one-stranded. Okay. Is, or at least that's my understanding. For our listeners, I know, I'm sure I know what that, I already knew. (laughs) I was asking for everyone else. Yeah, and so, or at least that's my understanding. I'm not a biochemist. This is from my one semester of biochem Mm -hmm. I took. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the mRNA comes in, it has the blueprint for making the spike proteins, from COVID-19, right? right? And so it makes your cells make the spike proteins. Mm -hmm. And then your immune cells are like, what the heck, who's making these spike proteins? And then they start making antigens. So Mm -hmm. that when the real COVID-19 comes into your body, it recognizes those spike proteins. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, you were here before. (laughs) So I'm going to attack you So it's kind of like, you know, you get kicked out of a bar. Like Mm -hmm. you go into a bar, you act a fool, you get kicked out of the bar. Yes. But you try to come back with a wig on and they're like hey you're not fooling anybody get out of here i would say it's more like somebody with a wig that looked kind of like you walked into the bar and acted mm-hmm. a fool and then you walked in there and they're like hey oh okay you know okay I mean? okay like, yeah, you didn't, yeah the covid19 wasn't there right, right? it's somebody right. that looks like covid19 yeah your evil twin your evil twin yes. is in there you know makes sense so like that's kind of more i think that'd be better but it's close yeah but yeah and so that's what they won the award for this year. And this mRNA technology also has applications in the treatments of cancer, cardiovascular, and metabolic... Metabolic... Metabolic. Thank you. <laughs> metabolic diseases. So it's like a really big breakthrough right now. And when this, when they were first researching this technology, honestly, like people thought it was stupid. Like they thought it was not worth investigating. Mm-hmm. And now I won the Nobel Prize. So I think it's really cool. Well, and- not to mention it saved countless lives exactly like you can't i don't know if i mean i'm sure they they have but there's no way of telling how many lives this saved like exactly exactly i mean like at least in the hundreds of thousands if not millions oh easily in the millions in my opinion i mean everyone who has immune issues Mm -hmm. now we have we have protections right right 
yeah, and then again, this technology can be used for other things. So I think once we start really looking into the other applications, we're going to be in the billions of lives because think about how many people get cancer, how many people have right. cardiovascular diseases and mm-hmm. metabolic diseases. These these are very big categories. I mean, how many – I think cardiovascular disease is like the biggest killer of Americans behind car crashes or something, right? Is it behind car crashes and gun violence? Something like that, yeah. 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 But yeah, it's like it's one it's of the – It's one of the high. In the, I know it's the second – it's the thing that second most kills women. So like the first mm. thing that kills women is like, you know – Domestic violence, yeah. But the number two cause is cardiovascular. Yeah, like it's one of the major killers. So like if this gets, treats some cardiovascular disease, Mm -hmm. I mean like. Yeah. That's easily in the billions. Right. But yeah, so let's talk about um, Katie Carrico. So I think most of her like, her name is Catalin Katie Carrico. So Katie is like her nickname. So I'm going to call her Katie. I think most people do. Caddy? Katie or Caddy? I'm not sure. No, I'm just saying Caddy from Mean Girls. Oh, she said, it's pronounced Katie. Okay, Caddy. I don't know that reference. You've never seen Mean Girls? I have. You don't remember don't that remember specific that. thing? Okay. I know Zin, Mean Girls is also on Wednesdays we wear pink, right? Uh-huh. I got that one. <laughs> so do you want me to explain it to you? I mean, I assume it's just somebody introduces themselves as Katie. Well, the way that it's spelled <laughs> looks like Katie. I mean, like Caddy because it's spelled C-A-D-Y instead of the traditional way, mm-hmm. I guess. And she goes, it's spelled like that, but it's pronounced Katie. So the first friends that she makes in the school are like the weird outcasts. And they always call her Katie. Ah, okay. Just a, It's just bullying is all it it's is. It's It's the light bullying you do to the new girl who becomes your best friend. Mm-hmm. Cool. So this may, this lady's name might be Katie or Katie. I'm going to go with Katie. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was We born. shouldn't bully her. She has a Nobel Prize. Yeah. Also, she's been through enough. We'll, <laughs> we'll discuss. She's, she's been bullied enough from my sto- the story i have of her oh no so uh but Jan- well then she's used to it no <laughs> this is not the lesson i take from that but she's born on january 17th of 1955 in hungary uh in a small home she didn't have any running water a refrigerator or television in her childhood home uh her father was a butcher and her mother was a bookkeeper and was very good at science even at a young age and she actually won third place in a Hungarian biology competition, which I think, based on the phrasing, I assume it's, like, nationwide. So for all of Hungary, uh-huh. for this competition, she won third place. Uh, and it didn't say how old she was or what year or anything like that. So Just that she won. Just that she won. She's a winner. And I'm very proud of her. <laughs> <laughs> Katie uh, then obtained a bachelor's in science and biology in 1978, and then she got her PhD in biochemistry in 1982, both from the University of Segred. Seged. I'm not entirely sure how to say that. <laughs> but it's spelled S-Z-E-G-E-D. And she, her first job after getting her PhD was a, as a postdoctoral researcher at the Institute of Biochemistry and Biological Research Center of Hungary. And she worked there from 1978 to 1985. And this is like the first, like, this is where some of this, um conspiracy theory stuff comes through because uh during that time like specifically 1978 hungary was under a soviet backed communist regime right so like it's part of the soviet bloc countries right uh-huh. and she got blackmailed by the state to the state security service to be basically be an informant for the communist party right, right. so and She was being blackmailed because, I guess, her father had a role in the 1956 revolution against communist rule. And, like, so, because of all of this, it makes her career in science really difficult, right? Like, I mean, like, she's being blackmailed. They're probably limiting her ability to move up. Doing that kind of job as a woman is already difficult enough, but when you have to take into account the very complicated political climate... Exactly. So, and again, this is, like, where... People are, like, getting this, like, conspiracy mm-hmm. theory that it's some kind of Russian. Right. I don't know exactly. I didn't She's quite injecting tiny Sputniks <laughs> into everyone who had Moderna. Yeah. Um, but, like, to be clear, she has never hidden the fact that she was recruited to be an informant. Right. First of all, like... Uh, she was blackmailed. She I mean... Was, yeah. She was blackmailed and, like... It was, compl- it was either, like, she works for them or they kill her. Like, right. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it was quite they killed her, but 
In the years between 19... This, this is the number someone threw out. Between 1945 and the collapse of, of communism in 1989, six, 160,000 to 200 Hungarians were recruited by this security service. So, like, they were picking up a bunch of people to, right. to do this and blackmailing a bunch of people. So... She was small potatoes, right? Like, she's not... She didn't have anything to even give them. And she said she didn't even, like, have anything. She never gave them a report. She never... Yeah. But she was, like, on paper as an informant. Right. But, like, she never had any info to give them. She was enrolled, (laughs) but she never did the homework. Exactly. Like, it was... It was, um... She didn't know, no nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So, people got really freaked out. And then she... So, she moves to the United States in 1985, because because of this blackmail, because of this stuff, she was not able to, like, do any science, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she, give a, she gave a quote, In the years that followed, I did not give, give any written report. I did not harm anyone. In order to continue my scientific activity and research, I had to leave. Yeah. Right? So she came to um, the United States. Um, the BRC, so the, the place that she was working, the Biological Research Center, had lost all of its funding, I believe, because you know, the Soviet Union was collapsing, right? right. Like, every, everyone, everything was going broke. And so she was looking at working in other, in other countries. And so she was offered a position by Robert J. Uh, Suhadolnik, Suhadolnik of Temple University. Um, and so she left Hungary for the United States to work for him at Temple University with her husband and her two-year-old daughter. And to, like, put in... Spe- perspective like how broke everyone was and how like the financial stripe that was going on they had to sell their car before they left and then they bought british pounds on the black market so they left the country with 900 dollars 900 pounds mm-hmm. in cash stuffed in her daughter's teddy bear jeez and i think that's like all the money they had that's like refugee status that's like yes <laughs> you have nothing you have nothing and so she went to work as a postdoc at the Temple University. So between 1985 and 1988, she served as a postdoc fellow at Temple University. Um, she participated in clinical trials with patients treating diseases like AIDS, uh, hematological diseases, and chronic fatigue syndrome Doing uh, with double-stranded RNA. So it's still RNA, but they like double it up like it's DNA. Oh. And at the time, this was considered, like, groundbreaking research. And, like, uh, my understanding is this is, like, the basis of, like, the antivirals that they use to treat HIV now. So that's what she did this first, these first, like, three years in the United States was working on that kind of technology under uh, Suodalnik, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, In 1988, uh, Kariko accepted a job at John Hopkins University without informing her lab advisor first. Now, Uh-oh. to be clear, postdocs are supposed to be temporary. Mm-hmm. They're only supposed to be, like, two, three years mm-hmm. max. So, like, her looking for jobs is normal. Right. Right? But he was, like, super upset about this and said that if she went to John Hopkins, he would deport her. He would Jeez. report her to U.S. immigration authorities claiming that she was illegally in the United States. Was she, though? <laughs> no. He was just going to say it. I, I don't know what he was going to do. I don't know. Or or I should say, I don't think she was there illegally. I mean, she was working, right? Like, so she had to have, she had have some kind of visa. Exactly. So, like, I don't see, I don't know what. I mean, you can work without one, but you, like, you can work in a field or, like, work at a restaurant without one. You can't have, like, an official job usually without some kind of visa. Exactly. And so, like, I'm wondering, like, was she on a student visa? Right. Maybe, I don't know if she overstayed a visa, uh-huh. maybe, but I don't... Yeah, because she could have gotten the job and then her visa expired. Right, right. Or, like, there was some paperwork she was supposed to fill out and didn't. I don't know. But he was basically going to blackmail anyway, her. Anyway, the point is immigration reform. <laughs> yeah. But he was going to blackmail her. Yeah, blackmailing uh-huh. her into not taking this John Hopkins job. So in the time it took her to successfully challenge the extradition order, <laughs> you know, like... In the time it took her to, like, resolve this legal situation, uh-huh. John Hopkins had to re- withdrew the job offer, right? Because, like, right. if you can't go take the job, then they needed somebody, I, yeah. I guess. They're not going to sit around and wait for her. But, yeah. And apparently, uh, Suh- uh, Suhadalnik continued to badmouth her. 
basically making it impossible for her to find a new job until she met a researcher at uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital who, ha- and this is in quotes, who had had his own difficulties with Suhadolnik. Oh, so, like, okay. this guy must have had, like, uh-huh. a reputation, at least with people who had worked with for him, For ruining right? people's lives. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And so, uh, Katie then uh, went to work for him. Uh, his name was Zuckerman. Uh, Zuckerman is, again, the one who knew that he had diff- had a difficult history with Sodolnik. So, he got, him a jo- got her a job at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences in Bethesda, Maryland. So, like... It's, she goes on to work for this, like, hospital system. Mm-hmm. Katie was more than gracious. She quoted it at this time, more importantly, I was always grateful for Sedolnik for sending me the IAP-66 form, which I'm not sure exactly what that is, in 1985, and for the opportunity he gave me to work in his lab, noting when I gave a lecture at Temple a couple of years later, I thanked him for the science I learned from him. Which well, She has a good, healthy attitude about it. Yes. Not me, because I would have been like, look, you said I wasn't going to be nothing, and I'm something now, so I don't even, like, I would have gone on a whole, <laughs> I would have done a whole thing. Nobody ever believed in me, but I made it anyways, and, eh, like, I would have been doing that whole thing. She's she's much more mature than I am. <laughs> yeah, she's very, she strikes me as someone who's very gracious. humble, uh-huh. very gracious, yes. Also, like. Probably because she just only cares about the science, not me. I'm like, I'm here for the drama. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's very much a kind of person who she like she thought that this this technology was going to help people, right? She very much knew she felt like this is where Well, that's so important were. to have. Do you ever think about like how much stuff we're missing out on like how many technological and like medicinal and all these kinds of advancements we could have if people would like think about the bigger picture mm-hmm. and not just their egos. Yeah, and I mean like there's so much innovation that is a little bit hampered on not having funding. I mean, right, that finding too. funding is really a huge barrier, I think, to a lot of things. Because, like, what what these funding organizations think is the next big breakthrough. Like, a lot of times, yes, it is big technology, right? But there but they don't be really people that are doing really groundbreaking work that you just don't see yet. Yeah. Or you just, like, you don't understand it. You can't see the practical application of it. Mm-hmm. But it's not really like I would I would imagine that'd be hard to sell. Exactly. Like, like I'm looking I'm working on this thing and I can't tell you exactly what the impacts are going to be, especially like I can't tell you what the return on your investment is going to be on this. But you should give me the money anyway because mm-hmm. it's important work. Exactly. And like that, that's kind of the argument. Like there's a few different arguments that go around around the world about how we fund science. Mm-hmm. Right. Because a lot of countries it's like. Well, as long as you're doing science, you get this much. And depending on what your output is, you get more, right? So, like, right. if you keep putting out papers and they're really important and good, then you get more money, mm-hmm. right? And But but every scientist, no matter what, gets some base level of money, uh-huh. right? And so, whereas... And that's how they do it in places like Canada. But in the United States, we have a grant system. You have to fill out grants. You have to fill out proposals. You have to state your case every time. Like, you have to... Mm-hmm lip sync for your life yes every single time every single time yeah and like once you get one big grant usually it's easier for you to get more but especially yeah. that first one like you are begging people yeah to give your research please, a chance sir. <laughs> can i please <laughs> can i please have some more <laughs> yeah and and this is really what turns out 32 dollars is not enough to run this experiment um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you though i but it's like you get like you literally get $32 and you have to you have to suck up to those people forever. Yeah. For the $32. Exactly. And like, yeah. And I mean, like some, it really depends on what grants you're talking about. So in the biochem field, you can get really, really big grants, like multi-million dollar grants right. from the NIH. But like, yeah, there are some that are like, you know, chump change, nothing. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, it's and really it's, rough. The people that are making the decisions about whether or not you get the grant, are they also scientists? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I good. think. I don't know. I just hope it's not like you're not trying to sell it to, like, the executive of Chase Bank or something that, like, doesn't know no. anything. Okay, that well, would be so horrible. You there's, like, my research is funded by the NSF, so that's the uh-huh. National Science Foundation. Right. I assume the person reading it has to have some kind of science uh-huh. background. But Surprise, now that it's you just say me. that, like, I'm I, just reading it. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just somebody with like a high school degree who took AP bio for yeah. a semester. It's just some accountant. Like they yeah. have their degrees in accounting. They're like, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I don't, I actually don't know. I mean, for, so for one, so. I know it's like a, a committee. So I know uh-huh. it's not just like one person. Oh, okay. So. You just got to hope there are scientists on the committee. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You'd hope so. But I think it's also, like, anonymous, question mark. I think, like, who actually decides it is anonymous mm-hmm. so that you can't, like, bribe them. <laughs> right. I think. That's smart. It's, like, a peer review, right? It's kind of, like, half blind. You would at least hope that it's mostly anonymous. Yeah. To be clear, I don't think the person applying... Like, they, they know who you are, but mm-hmm. you don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not, like, double-blinded. I'm a proponent. If it's... I think it should be double-blinded, in my opinion. But... Yeah. I don't think it is. I think it'd be a lot more fair. Yeah. Because I, I don't think you should take it. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe you should take into account somebody's gender, sexuality, like, background and stuff like that, ethnicity. But maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. Well. Just so you're not giving grants out to the same, you know, mm-hmm. eight straight white dudes. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It, it, it's really. But it's also not about that. It's about the science. Right. It is about the science. And it's really hard to, like, judge things double blind because especially if you are within the field if you are reviewing someone who's also in your field it's often really easy to tell mm-hmm. who they are because you know what their other work was you know their work yeah so like you know like even if you do blind it like people might know who you are mm-hmm. anyway you know so they might like, make a guess they might make a guess and mm-hmm. like so it's kind of hard to like i don't know it's really hard all the way around i think to like judge how fair things are like not saying that we shouldn't, like, come up with a better system. Because mm-hmm. I think our system's a little flawed, personally. Because, like, even the peer review process, I think, is a little flawed on the way it works. Because if it's one way blinded, they can still make assumptions about your work based on who you are. Yeah. Right? Because they can tell it's you because it's only blinded one way. Right. But we need to fix it. How to fix it? I don't know. Make AI judge it. AI, I don't know about that. AI definitely does not have biases, right? It's right. a robot. It's a perfect thing that humans created because humans are so great at, you know, perfecting mm-hmm. their own creations. Yeah. And when we trained it, we didn't train it with Reddit or anything or like open mass <laughs> communication that could, that is just filled with human opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we made it so nice and so good. Yeah. But yeah, my favorite thing that I've noticed is like, when it comes to like AI generation stuff, like if you go on TikTok, right, and you use their AI tools to like their AI filters and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It always leans Asian. I don't know if you've noticed that. I think I have noticed that on on some of the ones that are like uh, like makeup filters. Exactly, like it makes you look a little Asian. Yeah, because the faces. It's, like it's because the faces that it's trained on uh-huh. are from Asia, right? Like uh-huh. most of the faces that they're testing this with are Asian faces, and that makes so sense. it like morphs your features a little bit in that direction. Mm-hmm. Like some of them are better than others. Like some of them are like really uh, the ones that like are fully like AI art, right? Where like yeah. just complete like and not just like a filter over what it is, but it creates like a little piece of art. Right. Those ones sometimes get really will really morph you. And I don't know yeah. why, but they always give me a mustache. And I do not have a mustache. Well. I wish I had a mustache. <laughs> I feel like I'd look really good with a mustache. Trying to grow a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, all I'm saying is AIs are tilts whatever way you trained it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think everyone understands that. I'm not going to lie. I've, sometimes if, if there's like, uh, if I'm doing something like professional, or I'm trying to at least seem professional, mm-hmm. I will use like ChatGPT to do it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I, I know how I want to say this, but I don't know that that's how they're going to want to hear it. So let me put this, I'm going to chat GPT this shit and just make it real, j- detach my uh, emotions and my voice from it completely and give mm. them something completely generic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like doing that, but I, a lot of people do that. I think it's fine. Yeah. But. I mean, if I'm just applying for some whatever random job, I'll put in the like... Where it's like, why do you want this job? Even though I'm just like, I need more money. Mm-hmm. I try to put it in, you know, professional terms. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chat I like to increase my compensation while utilizing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really good for something like that. Yeah. I, I was can't... like, I don't think I'm giving it real information about me. 
I think I'm just like, this is a generic thing that I want to say. And I want to say it in a way that sounds like I know what I'm talking about instead mm-hmm. of just being like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want the job, to be honest. I don't. <laughs> I don't want the job. But can you just I give just, me like, some kinda more have money? To have it. Can I just have a raise? <laughs> I think that's all I want. <laughs> I just need more money is all. Mm-hmm. You can't say that to an interviewer because then they're, you know, they think you're a gold digger. But it's like, why else would I have, why else would I get a job? I don't enjoy working. I would much rather stay home and play The Sims. That's what I want to do. <laughs> my my job is so that I can fund my Sims addiction, okay? <laughs> Truly. <laughs> um, Katie gets this job with this guy who's also an enemy of the guy who tried to ruin her career. Yes. Uh, and she only worked for him for like a year um, from 1988 to 1989. But that gets her career kind of back on track so that in 1989, she can get hired by the University of Pennsylvania to work with a cardiologist, Elliot uh, Barnathan, uh, on mRNA. So like this is where she gets to mRNA. Okay. Finally, 1989. Like she's always and how old is been- she at this juncture? So she's born in 1955, so to do the math... 34? Yeah, 34. Um, well, see, that's another good lesson you can get out of this. You don't have to find exactly what you're getting get into when you're in your early 20s or your late teens. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you find it when you're 34, and then by the time you're however old she is now, you get a Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. So, you know, never give up on your dreams, unless your dream is to be a stand-up comedian, in which case, please give up. But wait, but I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking to other people. <laughs> I'm talking specifically. You just not want people the competition? Like what? Uh, no, I just think there's enough. I think there's enough. That's Unless, uh, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like a weird little science queer, I do want you to do stand up comedy. Perfect. But if you're listening to this podcast and you're just like another white dude who has like relationship issues and you hate your mom, I don't, we don't need you. There's enough. We've met our quota uh, on that specific genre Mm -hmm. yeah yep yep never give up on your dreams (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and just like uh katie kariko she never gave up on her dreams so in night so i was gonna say she's killing it but she's literally not she's saving lives she is living she's living it she is living yeah and so she starts working on mrna at the university of pennsylvania in 1990 she is um school of medicine at at the university of pennsylvania and she starts uh submitting grant applications for the mrna technology right mm-hmm. so she is trying to get this funded right this is where she start. like she's not going to give up on it she, mm-hmm. this is this is she gets the single-mindedness about it now uh um, she goes full dog with a bone exactly and so unfortunately as she's getting into it everyone else is like mm, mrna we really don't think that that's gonna work out okay researchers biotech companies they're like mrna flop exactly pharmaceutical companies they're all like mm, mm-hmm. i don't think it's worth anything right can you put it in a pill though because that's what we're really interested in right so even though she was supported by her colleagues at the time um you know Ella, elliot barthen who was the one who hired her in 1997 or sorry, she he hired her in 1989, and then David Langer, uh, who ends up hiring her next. Um, they both believed in her, right? So like colleagues around her are believing in her, mm-hmm. but it's just these funding organizations that really are not. Because she was initially on track to become a full professor, so she wasn't just adjunct, right? But she was right. on track to be a, a full professor. Professor, but because she could not get any grant funding, the university had to demote her because. She didn't have. She couldn't bring in any funding, and that's a big part of being a professor, is getting funding. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and I mean, it depends on where you are and what kind of professor you are. So uh-huh. there's like teaching focused professors and there's research focused professors. But she's a research focused professor. You're expected to bring in some money yeah. to fund your own project. That makes sense. And to kind of earn your keep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just couldn't. That nobody would give her the grant, yeah. right? You know and I mean? I don't think that's her fault. I think it's just, for whatever reason, there was something else in that time that people were more interested in that I don't I don't know what it is, but yeah. So, but again, David Langer, who was a neuroscien- uh, neurosurgeon and her colleague, um, really had faith in her. So he hired her, hired her and kept her job, right? Mm-hmm. But she was still demoted. And she also got diagnosed with cancer in 1995. Oh. So. Um, to say what kind? It did not say what kind, and it also did not say, like, when she went into remission, but, uh-huh. I mean, she... She's in remission now. 
I think so. You would assume. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't like super talk about it other than just like she did get diagnosed with cancer. And right. I assume that she, it was treated and she is now in remission. I mean, she like what? Yeah. So she's born in 1955. Well, I mean, interrupt her work. She's got to be, let me think. She's in her 70s, right? Uh-huh. Born in 1955. She'd be in her 70s. So must have been in remission if she got cancer in her 30s. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so 1995 was a real low, and she was just... That's also the year that Selena died. So just a bad year all around. All around. For women. Yeah. Um, but 1996, I'm born. So, like, that's the up, up swing. Okay, that's when it started up again. That's, that's when, when it started up yes. again, right? Um, just the whole world on and then, my birth. Uh, in 19, so 1997, after about two years of this, like, hole, like, the hole that she was in, uh-huh. she ma- meets Drew Weissman, who is the one who helped her build this mRNA vaccine right uh he's an, a professor of immunology um who had arrived at the university of pennsylvania and they began to uh exchange ideas and collaborate mm-hmm. uh weissman's funding weissman had funding and so he was critical in helping uh Carico, uh to continue and extend her research mm-hmm. so like he believed in this already and so them working together is finally what moved this research forward um, sometimes you just need a friend with a little bit of money who believes in you and mm-hmm. you can get pretty far yeah, turns out money really does solve a lot of problems. Yeah, <laughs> money doesn't solve all your problems, but it solves probably like ninety two percent of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the other eight percent, you kind of don't need to solve at that point. I mean, if you're ninety two percent good, right? That eight percent, you know, eh. that last eight percent, you just you just meditate or something. You're like that's good enough. Yeah, you know, see Go a to therapist, relish- which you can, relationship therapist, which maybe. you can pay for with all the money. <laughs> uh. With his money and his immunology knowledge and Kariko's biochemistry knowledge um, was a great combination. And so they began to, like, move the technology forward and solving problems one at a time. And this is the late 90s. Yeah, it started in 1997. Mm-hmm. So, and Weissman commented at one point, we had to fight so, the entire way. Just the entire yeah. way. But you could say, like, broadly speaking, that they started working on something that would contribute to the COVID vaccine in 1997. At the very, like, a rough estimate. Because it was probably before that, I would assume. Like, Mm -hmm. she was kind of on this path previous to that. And I'm sure he was working on something Mm -hmm. previous to that that kind of merged together. Exactly. So when people say, like, this vaccine came together in this many months, it's like, not really. It came together literally with decades and decades of research. Exactly. And that's really just a fundamental misunderstanding of how... How science works. How science works yeah. and how, like, techno- this technology was developed. Because, like, yes, the COVID-19-specific vaccine was done in, like, a year and a half, right? Yeah. But that is because we had all of this knowledge that was built up over 20, 30 years. Right. right? That's like when you, when you see a comedian do a Netflix special and it's an hour of comedy and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. What you don't see is that they have been working, doing comedy multiple times a week for 10, 20 years. Right, exactly. Like, you don't ever see everything that goes on to get this person to where they are. Right. I mean, and, like, you just think about it, like, there's also so many people working yeah. on it. Like, a comedian is one person. Right. But when it comes to science, there's, like, 10, 20, 50 people working it's on like, the same thing. It's like Avatar. The, the blue, movie the Avatar. Blue people Avatar. Yeah. Okay. It just took a long time. Is all I know. Okay. I actually never watched it because the movie's really young, long, and I don't really. Yeah, I've only seen the first one. Yeah, but it's like a three-hour movie, isn't it? It's like yeah. really. It's super long. But it took them how long? To make it, I don't know, but way too much money. It took the yeah, but that's all the of other that thing. Could have made a vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> but that's because the director had this career. It's the same thing. It's like he's honestly, you could compare him to this Wiseman guy where it's like he already had all this grant money because he had proven himself previously Mm. like because it's James James Cameron Cameron, right right? yeah and since James Cameron had already proved himself multiple times they gave him all this money and he had all this money to Mm. make Avatar gotcha so if you think about it the COVID-19 vaccine is a lot like the movie Avatar I'm just kidding yeah but I mean just to compare it like to you know highlight you don't always see all the all the background stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. But then you get a really cool product in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that changes people's lives. Yes. For the better, 
I, I say that question mark for the avatar, not for the vaccine. The vaccine, <laughs> definitely for the better. <laughs> I remember talking to like an undergrad who was like 20. Um, so only like seven years younger than me. But like they they were talking about Avatar and like how it was like the movie of their generation. Like that's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the movie of my generation was, but like for it was the Mean Girls, you missed it. Oh, I guess I missed it. <laughs> that's but, my Avatar. Uh, I think. Well, I think for me it was like the, like uh, Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic Park was like a really big, mm-hmm. high budget, fancy movie, right? Yeah. And for for people about ten years younger, right? It was Avatar. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I feel like mine was better. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park is pretty sick. But I think it's also because, and maybe I've never actually watched Avatar, so I can't really judge it fairly. But Jurassic Park has some bangers, like, as far as, like, lines, mm-hmm. as far as script, bangers, that things that we quote still kind of in casual conversation. Yeah, exactly. There's so many, the, act, the actors were all fantastic, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, and like you said, the writing was good. And I just, like, I could not think of a quote from Avatar that's, like, quotable. or any, No, like, I don't know. That's the thing. It's, like, there are a lot of things. movies that I've never seen that I know a lot of quotes from. Right. I don't know a single thing from Avatar. Exactly. I just feel like it had no, like, con- uh, cultural, like, impact. You know what I mean? Right. Like, a lot of it did Mean Girls. Get... People quote some of these movies. Yeah. But I just, I don't, I don't know any from Avatar. <laughs> no. It didn't have a big cultural impact as far as, like, you know, the zeitgeist. Exactly. Yeah. So did it have cool effects? Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. Was there a lovely metaphor in there about capitalism and, you know, uh, over militarization? Duh. But. Yeah. Name one line from the movie. Like living in connection with nature. Yeah. Is a positive thing. Uh, but being harmonious to the environment that you exist in. Great. But yeah, a lot of other stuff. I mean, because what does he say in Jurassic Park? You scientists were so focused on whether or not you could, you never stopped to think whether or not you should. <laughs> Life finds a way? Are you kidding me? Like, so good. That's me. Every time I see a weed in the concrete just, like, popping out, I'm like, ugh, life finds a way. <laughs> Anyways. Plus, I love that you can... I, I learned in that movie that lizards can have babies without having a mate. Like, they can just clone themselves. And I'm like, that's yeah. great. Also, though... Dinosaurs were birds, not lizards, but whatever. That is true. They had feathers. So I don't like birds. They're gross. I just think chickens are scary. <laughs> I just think they're all kind of nasty. I think most of them are na- pretty nasty. I think that's fair. All of them. I don't <laughs> like any of them. Ducks, ducks. I think, are are the least nasty. I don't know. Just something about, like, a beak. Why don't you have any teeth? I'm freaked out about the whole thing. Mm. I'm not into it. <laughs> Some of them do have teeth, actually. That's grosser. That's worse. <laughs> look look up a goose mouth. I don't want to know. <laughs> I feel like that's going to scar me for life. But, Which is what would happen if you ever got bit by a goose. You would be scarred. You would. You physically. would be scarred for life. Those things are scary. When me and Ryan go feed ducks at the park sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, the geese will also come up and eat, right? And Ryan has to corral the geese away from me because I'm scared of them. <laughs> Well, that's nice of him to do that. Yeah, because, like, I mean, they're fine. They're not, like, being mean or nothing, well, but he's they're probably like the, way too big. I feel like he's probably, like, the geese whisperer, and he's like, all right, go on now. Go on now. Yes! He's like... Like, nice and gentle. You're good over there, buddy. Stay over there. Not me throwing rocks. Get away from me! <laughs> go to hell, you monster! <laughs> yeah. At one point, I did slightly run away from a goose. But, anyway, we're going to go back to the bravery... You know who wouldn't run away from a goose? Katie Carica. Perfect transition. <laughs> I love it. Because she really is just unbelievable. This is now a quote from somebody else. <laughs> she was always incredibly inquisitive. She read voraciously and she would always know the latest technology or the latest papers, even if it was in a different, a totally different area. And she would put two and two together and say, well, why don't we do this? Or uh, why don't we try this formulation? Well, that's really smart, though, because she's not just, like, she's not so, like, she's single-minded in what she wants to do, but she's not so, like, she doesn't have tunnel vision about it. Exactly. And she sees how you can apply other completely different, separate topics of research to what she's doing. Exactly. It always helps to think a little bit outside the box. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many things that you can apply into your own research, no matter what it is. You know, you always want to look at the research around what you're doing, Mm -hmm. not just exactly in your field. 
And so before 2005, there was a major problem with therapeutic mRNA technology, Mm -hmm. right? Because I talked about this in the beginning where when you put mRNA into your cells, into it's called in vivo, right? Mm-hmm. So into a cell, you'd get an inflammatory reaction. So like basically like anaphylaxis, right? Like you, your body would be like, oh my God, that's not me. And then have an allergic mm-hmm. reaction, basically. Um, that's really an, probably an oversimplification, but mm-hmm. that's, you know. So to good. make another Mean Girls reference, your body goes, she doesn't even go here. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so... That Is was this the, the Mean Girls episode? No, <laughs> that was the the thing that Kariko really um like her mark on this field is her figuring this out. Uh-huh. So she was the one who figured out that there was so there's another there's multiple kinds of RNA, right? There's mRNA right. and there's tRNA. So tRNA is transfer RNA. Um uh-huh. and if she noticed that if you use transfer RNA uh, in an experiment, you would not get the same immune response as when you used mRNA. And is she doing these experiments on, like, mice or... Probably in cells is what I'm assuming. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, like, you know, like, she has, well, like, that's a much more ethical. cells. Yeah. So, like... Because uh, you I'm can assuming. watch what the cell is doing. Exactly. And it's still alive? Just any kind of cell? So, um, there's different cell lines that people uh-huh. will do experiments on. So, you've probably heard of Henrietta Lacks, right? Yes. Now, I don't know if she was using HeLa cells. What do they call it? The Woman Who Lived Forever or something like that? Uh, yeah, there's like a book. That's a book, I think, that was written uh-huh. about her. Yeah. Um, but she is the first person that we ever got an immortal cell line from, from her cervical cancer cells. Uh-huh. Um, without her consent. Without her different... consent, yes. Which, um, what is really good... Just an update on that story is uh, Henrietta Lacks's family now has a lot more control over who gets her cells. Good. Uh, and has a lot more say. And we'll probably do an episode about her because um, at some point, because it is a really big. Uh-huh. Her cells, used without her consent, has solved and f- fixed a lot of problems. Right. And has found cures for a lot of diseases. And made a lot of people money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and her family did not know initially, but even when they fa- even when they did know, did not see any of that money for a really long time. Right. So, um, and I believe they want a court case that they get some money now. now. I have Good. to research again, but like, but now there's also a, um, her family is in a, like a, what would you call it? Like a. You know, a group of people who gets to decide, yes, you're approved to use HeLa cells. Yes, you could use HeLa uh-huh. cells. To do like this a thing. board. Like a board, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so people actually have to, like, ask to use the cells yeah. now. That's good. And they do approve, which, fun fact, they approved her cells to be used in the development of the COVID-19 vaccine. Nice. Now, again, I don't know if, if um, Kate here was using them. Katie uh-huh. was using them, but... Um, like Somebody did. In 2020, they uh-huh. they approved, her family said, yes, you can use HeLa cells to develop uh-huh. the specific COVID-19 vaccine. So. That's good. Yeah. Because, like, again, um, Katie is more of, like, the under, like, the the base technology that was used, right? Right. So, but um, anyway, so she noticed that, the, again, this transfer RNA um, did not provoke the same immune re- response as the mRNA, which is what uh-huh. she wanted to use, Right. And so after a series of studies, she showed that uh, when you like synthetically made mRNA, that was super highly uh, inflammatory and tRNA was not. So she published that in 2005. Uh, Carrico and Weissman determined now exactly what the specific chemical thing that was causing this. And so by replacing uridine, which is one of the base pairs of RNA, so like... The, the information coded in DNA and RNA mm-hmm. are coded in these little sets of chemicals called base pairs. Okay. And so each one of those base pairs, depending on what order they, sh- there's four of them, mm-hmm. and what order they show up in, tells you information or tells yourself. Oh, okay. I remember doing something like that. Uh, I think we would use like letters. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. they're abbreviated as letters. Yeah. yeah. I remember. Okay. So Bre- like kind of generally the idea. The idea, right. And so what they found is that if you replaced one of those letters, one of those chemicals called uridine with pseudouridine, our key fi- findings of chemical modification to the R- mRNA made it not immuno- immunogenic. So basically, it prevented that immune response just by changing out that one chemical. Okay. They tried to publish this in the Journal of Nature. 
nature and science. So they submitted mm-hmm. to both of those, but they never accepted it. <laughs> and so they ended up putting it in this other journal called Immunity. Okay. So, you know, that's a real L for science and nature. It would have been a very highly cited cited paper if they had accepted uh-huh. it because, again, Nobel Prize, but science. Yeah. Just because it's not in science and nature doesn't mean it's not good science. Right. And then the other thing that that was specifically their technology was the lipid nanoparticles. I don't know if you heard about that as part of the, the vaccine. Um, I mean, I know what a lipid is. Right. So it's a just lipid- like a... It's a it's fat basically, right? It's a little mm-hmm. so it's uh-huh. a little fat, and you have a hydrophobic a tail and a uh-huh. hydrophilic head, right? Yes. So hydrophilic means it likes water. Uh-huh. Hydrophobic means it doesn't like water. And and is that how it like kind of moves around? What do you mean? Like that's what propels it. So it doesn't propel anything. Okay. So our cells are made up. Our, the cell walls or the cell membranes of our cells are made up of lipids. Uh-huh. And so it's probably, you've probably heard of a double, double lipid membrane, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and so basically you have the two tail ends of two different lipids will come together. Okay. And then the two heads will be on the outside. So you have water on both sides, right? But then they make a big chain and make a big, like, little, they're called vesicles. Little, okay. Um pocket right and so then you have an inside and an outside and so that's how you make your cells Mm -hmm. right you have an inside but that's i mean like that's how stuff moves through it i guess i should say so there's a lot of ways so i how things move through it uh there's a lot of like channels okay like so there's like literal proteins that like bridge in between your lipid bilayer okay so it's a lot more of an active process where you would literally have like little organelles moving things in and out okay so does that make sense? I'm just trying to think of like, is it like an Amazon warehouse kind of situation? But it's like there's there's doors in this warehouse or it like gets absorbed somehow? There's doors in the warehouse. Okay. There's doors okay, in okay, the okay, warehouse. Okay. Yes. So like the the lipid membrane is like the walls. Uh-huh. You can't go through them. Okay. But like there's little cha- there's doorways, there's windows that uh-huh. you, can, you can actually put things through. There's big bays. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. And the organelles are the trucks going in and out. Uh, no. The, no. The organelles would be... The stuff. It, would be inside. So the workers inside... Oh, okay. Would be the organelles. Okay. And, like, the boxes would be, like, potassium and sugar and things your cells need to function. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, like, I'm trying to visualize it. And mm-hmm. I can see, like, I, I remember, like, the little diagrams of cells and stuff, but I'm trying to put it in something that I actually understand. Yeah, yeah. And so, basically, what they developed was, like... They, they made the nanoparticles out of these lipids, right? So they made a little warehouse. Uh-huh. And then they packed that warehouse full of mRNA. Okay. And then injected it into your body. And so it helps basically, like, solubility and helps it, like, be in your body. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because, like, without it, your cells might destroy it. They might get – they might not be concentrated yeah. enough to, like, actually, like, do so what they, they need to they do. So they made a, a COVID-19 dupe. Yes. They made a COVID-19 dupe. And you know a what? very like, convincing dupe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like somebody tried to smuggle a package into Amazon. Like, you know, like, Amazon shipping packages out. Uh-huh. But they, they, they made, like, a fake one to ship it in. Yeah. Maybe, like, a better metaphor would be, like, okay, so I, I used to always buy fossil purses. I bought fossil purses mm-hmm. for years. And... All of my fossil purses were in great shape. None of the glue ever came off. None of the stitching came apart. And then one day I go to a fossil store. I buy this like purple, like this wine, like Merlot colored bag. And I have it for like maybe six months or so. And the glue starts coming off. Mm. And some of the seams start ripping. And I'm like, I think a fake fossil bag made it into this real fossil store. And that's what I have. Mm. Some All I'm saying is like is sometimes fake designer <laughs> stuff. I, I mean, it has to be because... I had never even heard of one single, like, faulty... Fa- and this was, like, mm-hmm. 15 years. It was a long time ago. It was, like, uh, when I was in, like, high school, college. But this really did happen to But it really did happen to me, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I could show you the bag. Like, it's it's it obsessed me so much. I don't use purses anymore, but I still have all my bags because they're, they're good quality. Yeah. So that's basically what happened is, like, a fake, uh, a counterfeit part yes. got into the coach store, and they're selling it. Yes. Yeah, and so, like... And, like, to continue that metaphor then, like, so the fake bag gets in there. Mm-hmm. And, like, let's say they they made a bunch of fake bags and a bunch of fake bags got in there. Mm-hmm. And then a manager noticed that they're lower quality, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, who's making this? And mm-hmm. they start throwing it away and, like, getting rid of it, right? Yeah. And then 
Somebody or starts selling it on Craigslist. Or selling it on Craigslist. <laughs> Whatever. There, it's it's gone. But uh, then they find like more of them keep showing up. Like, uh-huh. And like this is like uh, then they like get rid of all of the purple f- bags because they're like somebody is faking them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so then anytime a real purple bag comes in, they're like, no, it's fake, and they throw yeah. it away. Yeah. That's, that's the continued metaphor for like how your body's dealing with COVID. <laughs> But yeah, so that's the other thing that they invented. Um, and so they actually founded a small company uh, called R- uh, RNARX. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in 2006 and 2013, they received patents for their for these mRNA technologies, right? So mm-hmm. those patents were then um, uh, sold to, or should I, I should say they're like licensed, right? To Gary Dahl, who is the head of uh, a lab supply company that is called CellScript, called cell script but like weeks later this company called flagship pioneering which is the venture capital company that backs moderna mm-hmm. came asking to la- uh, license that same patent so like moderna even back in 2003 was trying to get a hold of this technology uh-huh. right so uh at which point carico had to be like oh it's no longer available we already sold it to cell script right right so at this point nobody really realizes like that this is going to be any big deal uh-huh. In 2006, uh, Carico reached out to a biochemist, uh, Ian McLellan, uh, to work on work with him on eventually on the chemically altered mRNA, which they eventually, which uh, the person she reached out to turned away from the collaboration. Yeah, so they also lost out on collaborating in this right thing. Yeah, and so then in early 2013, Carico uh, heard of Moderna's 240 million dollar deal with AstraZeneca to develop vascular endothelial growth factor mRNA. So like that's again for like cardiovascular, okay, uh, a cardiovascular technique. And so Carico realized that she would not get a chance to apply her experience with mRNA at the University of Pennsylvania. So she took a role as vice president at BioNTech RNA Pharmaceuticals. Um, and so she then was part of this big company and uh, became a senior vice president in 2019 while also maintaining an adjunct professorship at the University of Pennsylvania, right? So that's where she was for a long time. And then as of October 2023, she is now a professor at the University of Szeged in Hungary, right? And also in October of 2023, she has won the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine for all of this work. Exciting! So she is still alive. She is still doing work. I'm sure she's probably going to retire eventually because she's getting older. And and I think we should all say thank you to her and to everybody who believed in her because Mm -hmm. because of her research, the world is different. The world is better because of her. Exactly. And her persistence and like... This thankless work that she got yes. demoted for multiple times. Right. Nobody would fund it. And yeah, I think it's just like a really. And like, I mean. And it's really. It, I mean, it's, her life that's she, the American dream. Yeah. And the moments in her life where she had $900 smuggled in a teddy yeah. bear. And now she won a Nobel Prize. Like, I mean, the the amazingness of that is just incredible. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm just really. I don't know, like, of all the people that won Nobel Prizes this year, I was like, this is the story we want to tell. Yes. Right? We'll have to do an episode on Quantum Dots, because that won the Chemistry Nobel Prize. We'll do an episode on Quantum Dots. (laughs) Uh, That'll be for the next episode? I guess so. We'll talk Uh, about Quantum Dots. Quantum Dots. Is that anything like Dippin' Dots? Because I'm a huge fan of Dippin' Dots. Not as tasty. Oh, shoot. (laughs) But yeah, uh, I was not thinking Quantum Dots was going to win this year. I was like, Quantum Dots! (laughs) But it is it is really neat technology. I'm really not I'm not <laughs> mad that they won, but I was just like, really? This is what won this like, year? Really? Wow. But I think we'll call it good off on this. We love we- Katie. We have no choice but to stand. Yes. Absolutely. She's deserved it. She very much deserves this. I hope she spends all her money on herself. Because the Nobel Prize comes with money. I don't know if people know that. The Nobel Prize comes with How money. How much money? Uh half a mil, I think. That's pretty good. That's all-stars money right there. That's good money. Do you think she's going to Oh, use- no. Well, okay, wait. That's Swedish crowns. 11 million Swedish crowns. I don't know how much that is in... Sweden, they're the country that gives it out, or...? Yes. Because they're neutral? Uh, no, that's just... I'm just kidding. Nobel was yeah. Swedish. Yeah. That's why. Uh, uh, no, that's also... I meant Switzerland. Like, this is a chemistry podcast, not a history or geography okay, podcast. Okay, it's 1 million... 1, uh, one million... 101... 1 million... It's a little over a million dollars. 
1.1 million dollars not quite it's 1.01 million (laughs) dollars i mean that's pretty good that's pretty good a million dollars i wonder what she's gonna do with that do you think she's gonna do more science stuff or do you think she's gonna like buy a yacht i don't know i hope she buys a yacht i hope she buys a yacht um oh i hope she buys a pink lambo truck that's what i want her to do also i forgot to put this in here but um so, uh, Katie Carrico is also the mother of the two-time Olympic gold medalist rower, Susanna Freakia. That is a family of champions right there. Yeah. Uh, I'd like... And I love it's that, like, that it's her and her daughter that yes. are, like, the stars of the family. That's what I like to see. Yes. And she also has a grandson that was born in February of 2021. So- Look, they tried to gaslight her. They tried to gatekeep her. But she is too much of a girl boss to be stopped. Absolutely. So, yeah. I forgot to add that, though. Because also, I think that's dope. That's awesome. Um, Not only is her family really smart, they're also incredible athletes. Yeah. Super buff. (laughs) (laughs) Just ripped. So, but yeah. That is the story of Cataline Carrico. Boop-a-doo. Thank you for listening to Cowboy Chemistry. (laughs) Follow us on Patreon. Give us money on Patreon and... Follow us on the internet and see you next time. And get your vaccine? Yes. Get your vaccine. Get your boosters. Get it. Put outro music here. (laughs) Apoptosis is going mad. My liver's gonna fail. Maybe it's from the radium I use to paint my nails. Well, say you hate me. Carbon date me. Throw me in the sea. I'll be back with time because I'm made of stardust and chemistry, of stardust and chemistry. chemistry.